Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Class Podcast. Here, you will find recordings of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. Now, this podcast is not intended to replace your Bible study, to replace your weekly church attendance, or to be your sole source of spiritual instruction. Go to church for that. This podcast is for members of my class who happen to miss a week here or there and don't want to fall behind. But before you listen to this episode, you may want to go to teachings.gym314.com and download student or teacher handouts, as well as any PowerPoints, so you can follow along visually and see what we saw in class, as well as take some notes. Thanks for listening. Come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app. I'd recommend Overcast. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. My name is Jim Fleming. I am in my right mind and of sound body, and yes, I am selling the truck. Um, So with that out of the way, let's get moving with Sunday School this morning. So as we have talked about almost every week so far in this series, we want to make sure that we are moving from jumping right into what somebody says to waiting on the Holy Spirit and staring at the text. Um, Hopefully this is uh, becoming a bit more comfortable, this particular method, as we move through Romans. Uh, If it is not, then keep doing it. Uh, I think it is good. So we're going to read the text, explain the text, apply the text, personalize the text, and then have some table prayer time today. So where we've been in Romans, uh, we have introduced righteousness, we have looked at righteous wrath, we have looked at saving righteousness, we did a lot of weeks on righteous freedom, and now we are uh, in this section after Paul has set these things up where he comes back and he talks specifically to the Jews uh, and had some really insightful feedback this week via email that I'm looking forward to kind of peppering into today's lesson. But let's start with Romans uh, chapter 9 verse 1, and we'll read through Romans 10 verse 4, because the text for today actually straddles two chapters. So today's text is Romans 9, 30 verse through 10, 4, and we'll start in 9, 1. So I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And this means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year I will return and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. 
As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. So what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God, who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You will say to me then, Why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? So what if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called the sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, If the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. So what shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is, a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So hopefully as you were listening, you heard some themes that Paul has brought up before. We've talked about the law. We've talked about righteousness. We've talked about Israel, Israel's place in those types of things. Uh, so let's talk for a second about uh, literary and structural observations. If you've got your hand out there, I think that's the first question on your handout. Are there any literary or structural observations? So what do you, what do you I've, already, I've already again given you this answer, but I want to tease it out again and make sure we're seeing the same thing. What do you notice about this week's particular text, 9.30 through 10.4? What does it do? It jumps something. What does it jump? It jumps a chapter break. So we need to like pause here for just a second and discuss why a thought in Scripture would jump a chapter break. All right. So you've seen me put uh, Scripture on the screen before, some of it in the original languages. And one of the things you noticed in the original languages is that there were no what? There's a lot of lot of answers here. No, no chapter breaks. No, no 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 punctuation. No what else? Many times in Greek there was no spaces at all. It was just all kind of rammed up together. Paper was extraordinarily expensive, and you conserved as much as you possibly could. Uh, and as 
as we advance technologically and things lessened in price and people wanted ease of use, we introduced different readability devices into our books. And one of them was chapter breaks. And one of them was sentences. Now, the Old Testament is a bit different. I did a little research on this this week. The Old Testament is... You still have a tan. That's awesome. Um, the Old Testament is a bit different. Sorry. It, it might be one of those days. I'm just saying. The Old Testament is a bit different in that there were reading marks inserted into the Old Testament to tell the readers, because the, there's many times in the Old Testament that included in the text of the Old Testament is a command to read this out loud. And they were included in the document itself breathing notations and pausing notations. And for much of the Old Testament, where those pauses occur from the natural reading is where we have our... Verse breaks. That's where verses are introduced. Uh, the, the Old Testament was also broken up into, I think, either 154 or 156 different parts so that while the children of Israel were in captivity, they could read one of these parts every single week, and every three years they'd get through the entire Old Testament. So they'd hear the law on a very regular basis, hear the Old Testament on a very regular basis. Now, those 156 divisions are not what we have as chapter breaks in the Old Testament. If they were, It'd be very long chapters, <laughs> about four, five, six times longer than they are now. So, so we have a lot of historical helps that were present to help people read the Old Testament. But when it came to the New Testament, there's really not a lot of that. And it took a couple of hundred years before typography, I guess is probably the right word, advanced to the point where you'd want to start breaking things up and breaking it down into smaller components. The, the first known record that we have of verses in the New Testament is about 900 AD. So it took a long time for us to get there. And then we settled, there were a couple different uh, competing, imagine this, there were two different major chapter division approaches to the Bible for several years. So imagine you picked up a Bible and somebody said, turn to Romans chapter 7, and you're sitting next to somebody who has a Bible, and, and their Romans 7 is different than your Romans 7. And not, not in a, it was translated different, like it's a different part of Romans. So, so one of the things that these chapter divisions and verse divisions help us do is literally be on the same page. Right? I mean, just as plainly as we can make it, we want to be on the same page. It's very helpful when we study the Bible. And it is also helpful to know that they are not inspired. Where that period, where that verse ends, where that chapter ends is not something that God dictated to the men and women, maybe women, maybe, maybe not, uh, who actually penned the scriptures. Okay? So these are inserted helps. So when you see a thought and you go, it crossed a chapter division, what's up with that? Okay, it's all right. There's a lot of different ways to slice it. Okay? Does that help a little bit? Maybe not. Some of you are going, get off the history, get to the text. All right, we're getting to the text. Here we go. Uh, so now we are in... Uh, so anything else? Any other literary or structural observations? Yeah, so he's asking this question. It's like, what, so, so what? So what? So Paul is the... Like Romans is the king of the so what. Like, so what are you going to do with that? What does that matter? What does that impact? Remember, he's, he's a lawyer. He's laying out an argument. So he's leading the reader through this process. Uh, anything else? Do you see any quotation marks in here anywhere? Yes. Where do you see them? 
verse 33, right? You see quotation marks at, around most of verse 33? Uh, if you look in your, those of you that brought a physical copy of the Bibles today, uh, do you have any of those little raised numbers in verse 32? You know, when I'm talking about the raised numbers and the raised letters that reference you back somewhere else because it kind of feels sort of like the writer is talking about something else. Does anybody have one of those for Romans 9.32? What is it? Okay. And then, of course, New Testament verses. Yep. Anybody else? Yeah. So why would there be so many different references? What's that? He's making points, yeah. However, but why would there be so many different references in the New Testament, in our modern Bibles, to different portions of Scripture? Well, he's confirming also, yes, but Paul is such a complex argument maker, we're not always 100% sure exactly what portion of the Old Testament he is referring to. Because sometimes he can quote something that shows up in multiple places, and you go, well, it... It might be here, it might be here, it might be here. And most of our modern Bibles are relatively conservative with these references, so they just put them all in. It's one of those, well, do they want peanut butter or jelly? I'm going to put both on there. We're going to make sure. We got it all covered. Everybody's, you know, we're, we're good to go. So you'll see a lot of these cross-references because you could be talking about a couple different places here. So, all right, so this is good. This is very helpful. Um, if you want a better summary of the history of the chapters and the verses in the Bible, Wikipedia actually has a really good article on it, and it's called Chapters and Verses of the Bible. So it's really hard to find. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, what do the words mean? So for bibliophiles like me, that kind of stuff is junky material because it helps me discard some things that the structure forces my brain into thinking about sometimes, which is healthy. All right, so what shall we say then? So future active indicative in the future. What shall we say in the future? That the Gentiles, the ethnos, who did not pursue um, or ensue after or given to or press toward righteousness. So the Gentiles who did not press toward righteousness. And this is this word that showed up you know, a couple dozen times in Romans so far. Have attained it. They've grabbed a hold of it. That is, a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel who pursued... Now, this is a different word for uh, pursue in the, the, the first one there. Uh, I'm sorry, it's the same word as, as before. Who, who, but Israel who pursued what? The law. So let's think about this for a second. Israel pursued the law. And what's the section heading? Israel's unbelief. And you go, well, hang on. Did the, the author of Romans and the ESV just really miss the boat here? Well, no, not really. Just keep reading. But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did what? Did not succeed in reaching that law. So why? And here's, here's one of my big points for today. They did not pursue... It by what? Faith. Faith. All right. So, was the keeping of the law for a Jewish person before Christ's death on the cross, was that a good thing? Yes. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. Was the keeping of the law for a Jewish person before Christ's death a good thing? Yes, they were commanded to do this. And yet, they did not succeed in reaching that law. Why would they not succeed in reaching that law? They did all about work. Yeah. I don't know if you did that on purpose or not, but like, look at me. Look at me. Are you just hot? You're just hot? Okay. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Feels pretty good in here, though, today, right? I'm, I'm not sweating or uh, teeth chattering this morning. So it's, I'm usually uh, burning fires of hell or Antarctica. One of the two up here is typically where I am. So it's, it's as pleasant. What's that? Yes. Yes, just two this morning. Thank you. Careful there, Baldy. All right. So why did they not succeed? Why did they not succeed in reaching the law? Because they didn't do it by faith. And, and c- could they have done it? Like, could they have perfectly, flawlessly obeyed the law? Mitch, you look like you're just dying to say something here. In when, theory, if someone by faith pursued the law, they could fulfill it. That's right. However, history shows us that it hasn't been done. That's right. Which is, creates a problem for all of us, Right? So we need somebody who will fulfill the law. And if you were paying attention at the end of Romans 7, you figured out, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this bondage? And the answer is, Jesus does, yes. So he's already established who the answer is. Now he's kind of going back and explaining and diving into, he's unraveling this ball of twine. Why did this not work? They did not pursue it by faith but as if it were based on works. All right, so let's, let's pause here for just a second. I'm going to kind of jump into some observations, but um, can you pursue a good thing the wrong way? I regularly have to stop the television at my house and explain to one or both of my children, Wait, 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 wait. That person just said it's okay to do wrong to get a chance to do something right over here. No! It is never right to do wrong in order to get a chance to do right. I promise you it is not. It is never right to do wrong to get a chance to do right. Now, that's not exactly what they're doing here. They're just pursuing something the wrong way. They're not pursuing righteousness the law by faith, they're pursuing it by works. So what would righteousness by works look like? It's a checklist. And it it is incredibly, incredibly easy to read through the Old Testament and turn it into a checklist. Somebody went through, and I've never personally done it. I've said this number several times. I should probably go count myself to make sure. But somebody, does anybody know how many laws there are in the Old Testament? 600. Somebody counted them all, right? And they numbered them. Sounds like you're working on a checklist to me. What would you do after this list? I want to check and see how many I've done. It's more like a spreadsheet. Yeah, with a couple tabs, right? <laughs> Darla, you just made me like so happy. That's, I'm going to give a fist bump for that. Nice griped about my burnt bread last week and now talking about Excel. You've redeemed yourself. This is great. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How did that just happen? <laughs> I learned that trick. <laughs> yeah. 
so I think one way, and, I'm, and I don't want to be closed-fisted here with this uh, interpretation, but I think one way they could have pursued the law based on works is by turning it into a checklist. There are probably lots of other ways to sin trying to do good. I, I don't want to be too closed-minded on this, but it's not about works. So, so let's pause here for just a second. So if Paul is saying the keeping of the Old Testament law is not about works, it's about faith. Did I mess that up? Keeping of the Old Testament law is actually about faith. Faith in the coming Messiah who will perfectly keep all of these things. And I trust him to do what I cannot as opposed to, it's on me to work and work and work and work and work and get there. Two radically different approaches to life. One says, I put my faith in one to come. One says, I put my faith in me. And putting my faith in me is called works. Come on. Come on. It has been totally garbage. Yeah. They had hijacked it. Yep. Messed it up. Which is what happens when we take a good thing and turn it into a checklist. All right. Doug, yes. I noticed since we've been in Romans, Paul, we talk about the law, but Paul brings up the law. He always says the law of of the Spirit. Yes. And he says the law of faith. He brings that out over and over and over as the reason why he's breaking this down. That's right. I always thought that stood out to me because, wait a minute, where's it talk about the law of the Spirit? Mm-hmm. Because he's bringing that out over and over. So imagine, let's just, let's just imagine for a second, we'll be John Lennon. Imagine for a second that, um, I got a good night's sleep last night, so that's the problem here. Uh, that you are Paul and you have studied the Old Testament, you have memorized the Old Testament, you know all the checklists. You know how to stand in judgment and decide whether or not somebody has kept the law or not kept the law. I mean, that's what he was trained to do. And then you meet Jesus. And the right filter you put on, and then you look at the law. And you go, oh, I literally have been on the wrong side of this. I have misunderstood and misinterpreted and misapplied probably basically everything. Because it was not the filter of works, it was about the filter of faith. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit, right? And it's not as if, and, and so it's not as if Paul buries this somewhere deep, right? This is not a oh, you have to dig deep to find righteousness by faith. Uh, no, I mean this is. Uh, uh, Caleb and I have started going out and playing, um, going to the driving range on Sunday nights. And uh, little kids, when they first swing a golf club, typically do one of two things. They ram it into the ground, or they clear the ball by about six inches. So, it, or, no, he hadn't thrown the club. He's not going to do that. Uh, I would beat him with the club if he, did, he threw the club. I would not beat my child with the club, no. I would threaten to beat him with the club. Um, so if he, if he hits the ball, if he hits the club head into the ground, it doesn't matter where the ball is teed up. The ball is not going anywhere, right? So the scenario that I am focused on is I want to get him to tee that ball up as high as possible 
Like the tee is almost wobbling. Those of you who play golf, you know, that it's just barely in the ground and the ball's right on top of it. Because when he swings, he's going to, he wants to raise his head and look and see how good he is and the way it goes. And, you know, we've been working on keep your head down. But we get that ball teed up really, really high. And that's what Paul is doing here. He is teed up righteousness by faith really, really high in Romans. It is way on top of the surface. It requires almost a cursory reading of Romans, and you can figure this one out. So, so it's not buried. So why? Because verse 32, they did not pursue it by faith, but as if based on works. And here we come to today's lesson. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. And you're like, well, what does that mean, Jim? Well, the stumbled over means to strike against or to surge against as water. To stub on, to trip up, to beat upon, to dash, to stumble at. And what do you stumble over? A stumbling stone, right? The stub. The stumbling means stub. Whatever the offense is, this, this stumbling block, the stumbling stone. As it is written, and then he goes and he talks about this stumbling stone. This is reference to Isaiah. He says, behold. And it, now, how often in Romans have we had imperatives, commands to go do something? Not very often, right? Miss Amy, you had a few in your chapter, right? And I, I was like, she got all the imperatives, dang it. She, you had a lot of imperatives. Yes, Paul's saying do, 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 do. This behold is an imperative. It is a command to say, Look, see, observe what is happening here. I am laying in Zion, this is in, in Jerusalem, a stone of stumbling. It's the same word up there. And a rock, a petra of offense. The, the Greek word for offense is scandalon. It's a scandal. It's, a, it's an opportunity to be offended And sometimes you might think, well, the rock is a thing, right? Well, keep reading. And whoever believes in him, so maybe this rock has a name. Maybe this rock has a name. Will not be put to shame or uh, shamed down or disgraced. So if, would anybody care to take a guess over who God could put directly in front of the Israelites that they would stumble over and get tripped up by. This is the Messiah. When the Messiah showed up, and this is the, the, the horribly awful irony of the entire Bible in my mind, that God spends, I don't even, how many pages are in the Old Testament? It's, it's an unbelievable number of pages. He spends over 500 pages in this version talking about the Messiah's coming. I've created the need for the Messiah. I'm going to describe the Messiah. I'm going to give you prophecies about the Messiah. And then when the Messiah shows up, what happens? We stumble right over him. And you trip. And they, and they, literally, they literally pick up what? Stones to what? To stone him with. And, and, and is this not... You're like, whoa, 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 he is the stumbling stone. Why would you stone the stumbling stone? Because you stumbled over it, and it is offensive. And, and this is when, when Brian talks about when we share the gospel, don't do it in an offensive way because the gospel is offensive enough as it is. This is that part. Does this make sense? You with me? Yes, Miss Jen? 
Perfect timing. I needed a drink. Oh, wow. And it was this area of Bible that helped her convert. Um, that it was also this Who's this area written to? The Jews, the Jews right? Yeah. Um, it's like flashing sign. She got it. She's like, yes. Oh. She presented the same thing to her family, hmm. and they almost cut her off yeah. because um, they said, you know, it was a disgrace because the law, and one of my questions to them is, well, how much of the law are you actually keeping? Right. Because it literally is offensive. It absolutely is offensive, yes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, the, the gospel was offensive to all of us at some point, right? When it confronted us and said, uh, you are guilty and a sinner and are going to hell because of what you did. Well, that's... Like, that's really offensive. Does somebody walk up to you and say, you are going to hell because you are a sinner? There are better ways to lead into a conversation, right? I mean, that... Yes. Yes. So could I be as bold as to say that the words that Paul wrote 2,000 years ago are still applicable today and still powerful today and still effective to lead someone to repentance and faith in Christ? Yes. I love it. Dave? The whole groups of people, though, unless we, you know, think the Jews had their own thing going on. Thank you for not letting me go too far down that path, yes. Because there are whole denominations doing the exact same thing yeah. today. Yeah. And, 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 and many times we ourselves are doing the same thing, whether it's by, you know, thinking of, Oh, he's going to get personal now. Yeah, sorry. <sighs> <laughs> Come on, we can take it. Saying, like, how yeah. Did you miss yep. That? Yep. And we do it every day. Absolutely. You know, we miss the person that God wants us to talk to. You know, at the restaurant we're going to eat at this afternoon. You know, or or, or what have you. you know, so, Dave, I had an internal struggle this week as to whether or not to go there this morning, and I said, I don't think I don't think I'm supposed to. No, it's because you were supposed to. So, <laughs> thanks for that. It's awesome. <clears throat> Every, every once in a while, I get to understand why I'm told to do or not do something. So that was helpful. All right, so let's jump into uh, chapter 10 here. So we're continuing this same thought. So brothers, Adelphus, uh, if you, did I put Adelphus in your notes? Yes. Okay, what does that look like that might be part of? Adele. Hello from the other side of the room, yes. There you go. That was, okay, I just, I gotta, I gotta come over here and fist bump. That, I, so every once in a while you guys do something from such a different angle than I am even remotely expecting. Like from uh, the other side? From the other side, yes. Yes, from the other side. Mm. I love that man. All right, so we've got, uh, if, if you could put 
that word, Adelphos, inside a city in the United States, what city would it fit in? Philadelphia, Philadelphia. yes, yes, very much so. All right, here we go. Brothers, these are his Jewish brothers that we're talking about here. My heart's desire, my heart's satisfaction, my heart's wish, my heart's good pleasure, what would make me, could I dare say, happy, and my prayer, my petition, my supplication. This is conversation with God. To God is for them that they may be soteria. So we get our English word soteriology, the salvation. This is the study of salvation, that they may be saved. They may be delivered. Why would they need to be delivered? They're laying on the ground dead. They've tripped over the stumbling stone, right? They need to be saved. So does he just talk about them? What does he do in verse 1? What is he actually doing? He is praying for them, right? So, Ms. Darla, thank you for helping us pray for the unsaved in this room. It is literally living out Romans 10.1. And what happens, Tim, sometimes when we pray for the unsaved? They get saved. saved. Imagine this, right? It is a miracle. It is an absolute, literal miracle. Verse 2, For I bear them witness... I am a martyrio, a witness, a tester, uh, someone who gives testimony in a court of law, that they have a zeal, a heat, a fervency, a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. It's according to works, in case you hadn't been paying attention in the verse, chapter 9. For being ignorant, they didn't understand, of the righteousness of God. Now, don't, don't skip past that phrase too fast. Ignorant of the righteousness of God. These folks knew the Old Testament and they're ignorant of the righteousness. I mean, this is really, really sad. And seeking to establish their what? Their own righteousness. And what does God call our righteousness in the Old Testament? Filthy rags, right. So, I don't want... Holy God's righteousness, I want my filthy rag righteousness. Boy, if there's ever a mirror to hold up in front of our own faces and, Father, help me to know when I am trying to live out my righteousness and not yours. That might be a good prayer to pray. For Christ is the what of the law? He's the what? I'm sorry, the what? Did we already establish that Christ fulfilled the law earlier in Romans? Yes. He is the end, the limit, the conclusion, the result of the law. I actually like the word result quite a bit. I think it fits the text here. For righteousness to everyone who works really hard. No, not at all. To everyone who believes. How much work is involved in verse 4? It's none. It's about belief. It's about putting faith in the Messiah, whether in the future or in the past, but it is about belief. So, some observations of the text. Um, Jessica Norris's was perhaps my favorite for the week. Uh, The Jews seriously could not see the forest for the trees. I agree, because there's a great big stump in the forest uh, that they got tripped up on. Uh, Now, 
So Robertson has an extended quote here. I don't think I put it in your notes. He said, It's noteworthy that immediately after the discussion of the rejection of Christ by the Jews, Paul prays so earnestly for them. Clearly, Paul did not feel the case was hopeless for them in spite of their conduct. So we don't give up. We never give up. And then Darla had a great quote from Mount. says, The approach says that righteousness can be earned... The approach that says that righteousness can be earned fails to grasp the enormity of sin. I can't out-earn the debt that I have built up for my sin. It doesn't work. And then Amy concludes with Hughes. The answer is, it is all faith. It is all faith. So, application points here. Number one, I found that if I stand really still, it doesn't do that. Number one, it's easy to stumble. It's easy to stumble. So what do we do with that? Well, if we fix our eyes on Jesus, then we're not going to trip over Jesus. Because we are staring at the stumbling stone. It is hard to trip over something that you are staring at. I think, at least. It feels logical. Uh, Number two, application. Law that doesn't end at Jesus is lethal. I bet I wrote that ten different ways. Law that doesn't end at Jesus is lethal, so filter the law through salvation by faith alone. So when we, as New Testament believers, read the Old Testament law, we are to read it as the correct application of this is a life of faith. It is not a life of works. So let's make sure that we read the Old Testament as we should in its proper historical context as well as in its proper soteriological context. And then number three, hope is alive while man is alive. You say, well, Jim, he's been a pagan so long. I don't know. Is he alive? Yes, there's hope. So never stop praying for the unsaved. And if you want to write and witness to them next to that, that would be fantastic. Because it's not just about prayer alone. Do you think Paul brought up Jesus to his uh, (laughs) Hebrew brothers and sisters periodically? Yes, quite often, in fact. Quite often, in fact. All right, so next week, we have a really long text. Romans 10, 5 through 21. We're going to break that up into two weeks. And I have some help in that. Uh, So I'm excited about that. So your homework is at the bottom of that page. So make sure that we ask the Holy Spirit for help. Read Romans, talk about Romans, and send me any feedback. Uh, I'm going to have five seconds of chastisement. Uh, Get back up on the horse. Those of you that have fallen off the horse and sending me information, I would very much appreciate it. So that is your encouraging feedback. Uh, Thank you for that. Uh, And then uh, our weekly update is on your table. So if you will read those prayer requests... And, and it, some of you are not in the habit of reading them. I would ask that you explicitly, verbally articulate today at your table a prayer for the unsaved at the top of that right-hand column. That you actually say their names out loud and we pray that they be saved. So if you're not in the habit of doing that, I'm going to challenge us to be in the habit of doing that because that is a good thing. So that's Sunday School for today. Thanks for coming, guys.